Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> All right, welcome to Front Page 305. This is your host, Walter Villa, and that's Frankie Fernandez, my producer. I let him pick the music today, so I have no idea what I'm going to get, but uh, that's what we got right for right now. I'm joined by my co-host today, Santos Perez, and our first guest is Griffin Conine. We're going to get to him in a second, but before we get to Griffin, Santos, uh, one of the best boxing riders in the nation and has been for decades. Uh, so I know Santos, you've covered that uh, Canelo fight. Uh, give us uh, uh, what, what did you think of it right quick? Emphasize decades. Okay. <laughs> like multiple decades. <laughs> been, been, been around many, many gyms, many uh, arenas. Uh, not an impressive night for, for fight fans and for the casual fan, because uh, 15,000 people, which was the max allowed, uh, based on the, on the capacities, restrictions with capacities, uh, Canelo Alvarez, uh, he's an event and people were not upset that this fight only lasted three rounds. They just wanted to see the guy locally. I mean, make an appearance here and hopefully it won't be the, uh, the, 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 the last one. I think, uh, the, the fact that 15,000 people showed up for that event on Saturday, I guess, uh, Fighter who was not expected to win bodes well for that. Again, the, the, our 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 city can attract uh, big name uh, uh, events, and this was a big name event. Well, my segue to that is from the, the power of Canelo's punch to the power of Griffin Conine, a former uh, star at Fort Lauderdale Pinecrest High School, former star at Duke. So you know the the kid is smart, mm -hmm. and so uh, Griffin Griffin Conine, welcome to the front page. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. And uh, obviously the son of Mr. Marlon, Jeff Conine, and the Marlins were able to trade for Griffin, uh, sending Jonathan Villar and getting Griffin in return. So that's just awesome to see if, if Griffin can, uh, can have his own big time um, stay with the Marlins as his dad did. Um, Griffin, one of the first things I want to ask you, I know you have, you know, as I mentioned, that big time, you're a big time power hitter and that tool is legit. Um, you and I talked uh, for a Baseball America story that's coming up in, in I, I think, the next magazine, and you talked about lowering that, that uh, strikeout percentage. I think it was 36%, and so it was kind of high, but obviously you're getting the home runs too. Can you talk a little bit about the work? Because when you and I um, had our conversation, you were really impressive in terms of, you know, just a student of the game that you are and have become. Talk a little bit about the work, if you would, Griff, that you did in the backyard and batting cage with your dad and, and, and the fastballs that you got the machine geared up to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think after, after 2019, after the season kind of finished out, um, I knew like I definitely going forward, um, was going to have to make some changes swing wise. Cause, uh, obviously, you know, love the, the power is kind of the reason that, you know, I got drafted very high and that's kind of my, uh, my main tool per se like you know that's the that's the draw so I definitely uh capitalized on that the last season in Lansing in 2019 and um really liked you know the power output numbers because the, the season before um my first season in pro ball it kind of didn't didn't really translate didn't show up a whole lot and that that was you know for a lot of reasons I think you know part of it was just playing the full college season and um then playing a pro season after that I think I was I was pretty gassed mentally and physically right um so, so the power wasn't showing up the first year, and I think 
going into my next year uh, was that was really an emphasis. You know, I was pretty worried. Like I wanted that to wanted that to show up, um, and uh, and it did. But at the price of you know a, a extremely high strikeout rate, and uh, I knew going forward, raising levels, you know, pitchers only get better. Um, especially, you know, once you get to high and above, uh, especially Florida State League, um, a lot of elite arms and uh, a lot of velo, you know, velo, velo, that's what we're seeing nowadays. And I knew, like, the swing that I had currently um, wasn't going to play at, at, the, at the highest level. I knew that, and I knew there was going to have to be some changes that went down. And um, the Blue Jays hitting coordinator at the time, Hunter Mentz, um, was a big, big proponent of that, and he kind of uh, helped me to, to start that that uh transition i guess you could say and start to just the thought process of of uh kind of where i wanted my swing to be and and kind of thinking about it differently thinking about being really short you know having a really efficient swing path and and kind of buying yourself more time to uh to read pitches because that's what it came down to um i I really there was a lot that had to that had to sync up correctly for my swing to work and uh you'd see on on days it would work it'd be really good and the game would seem pretty easy and then I'd go through kind of like a week or so where it wouldn't be syncing up and, and the strikeouts were out of control and I felt kind of lost. So, uh, so yeah, going into quarantine here uh, last March, you know, I guess about almost exactly a year ago, that was the main goal was how, how short can I make this swing, make my swing path and still be able to have the power kind of show up um, consistently. So that was kind of uh, where I started off and that's kind of still where I am today is, um, just always trying to be short, always trying to be efficient, and just the way I, the, the main way I can repeat um, that swing path consistently is gonna be, is gonna kind of allow me to jump levels quickly, and I think that's that's kind of what I've accomplished. What did you crank the the pitching machine up to 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 gear up for the for the elevated fastballs you're gonna be seeing next level? Yeah, so we uh we got the cage set up in the backyard. Um, spacing was like not not a ton of space, so it's only about it's about thirty feet long. Um, wow. And we put the machine like right at the end of it, so it's only thirty. It's about you know half of a half of a pitching mound per se. You know I treat it like um, that's the last thirty feet, so the first thirty um, is kind of unaccounted for. But as far as reaction time goes, uh, we usually well I usually will finish at um, uh, roughly like sixty miles per hour. Um, those would be like my last swings, and that's you know reaction time wise, that's that's simulating. Um, it's about it might be a little more than 30 feet. So I'd say, you know, that's, that's close to a hundred, um, as far as how long I have to make a decision. And I usually will have my dad kind of, uh, playing around with the location, you know, he'll change it each time. So I can't just be mindlessly, mindlessly kind of timing it up and swinging. Cause anyone can, you know, anyone can hit below if you just, if you time it up, especially a machine, cause it's right. always kind of throwing similar, a similar ball. And, uh, if you get the timing down, you're kind of, uh, defeating the purpose. So, right. um, once, once I got the timing down and started raking it that way, I was like, all right, you got to start moving it because this isn't really, you know, I'm kind of treading water as far as the goals that I had, which is be able to react really quickly to different locations. So um, I had them start moving it around, and that, that was a really good thing for me, I think, just to be able to um, – because it keeps you honest. You know, you, you, there's no time for, for any extra, extra moves, extra hitches in your swing. Um, and, and if there is, you're, you're going to foul it off or um, get jammed. So that's what's cool is like it's such a such a pure feedback machine because if if you don't do everything perfectly, you're not gonna have success. You know, you're not gonna find the barrel. So um, I really like just doing high velo. You know, I think you know you'll see that with a lot of big leaguers, a lot of guys, um, 
opt for like machine work even before a game, um, which I think I would fall into that category just because I think it's just the best way to sequence your swing against, you know, you have to see high below because that's what we're going to be doing in the game. So um, usually, in the, and, I'll, and I'll have him, have him uh, set up sliders too. We do sliders, curveballs. Sometimes I'll have him change, uh, like change it mid-round. So I'll have him uh, do fastball and then I'll kind of like look away, do my setup. And then he'll he'll switch it up to like a curveball, and I won't know. Like it'll be either like three fastballs, and he'll mix in a curveball here. So uh, now it, it's really hard, you know. I don't I don't want to go in the cage and just rake every ball because that's not realistic, you know. Not, if I'm doing soft toss and hitting every homer on every pitch, what's going to happen in the game, you know? When I'm just not seeing soft toss, you know, you're seeing 98. So I wanted to just make that my work as consistent as possible. Is just seeing velo all the time, get really comfortable with it, and and know the kind of um, swing path I need to to have to have success on on that kind of reaction time. So that's that's been what we've been doing mostly for the for the past year or so. Yeah, that's what makes it. I mean, such a difficult game because obviously that pitcher is trying to get you out. He's trying to have deception. Um, when fans or media members watch the game on TV, it does look so easy. Well, why didn't the guy swing at that pitch? I mean, you have the amount of yeah. time you have to read what that pitch is 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 so minimal. Um, it's very difficult. And then, you know, you, you read about Barry Bonds, although I'm certainly uh, sort of a critic in terms of the steroids. But if you if you put that aside, that he might have gotten in those days one good pitch to hit the whole game. And he he had to do damage, you know, because these pitchers are not especially the better you get. They're not going to give you much to hit. And you may have exactly, that one yeah. opportunity. And and to be a professional hitter, you have to make good with that with that one uh with, with that one pitch. Santos, you wanted to ask a question of Griff? Yes, uh, Griffin, just the fact that the, there was no minor league season uh, in 2020, how much of a, a setback that was for you as far as your development? Or, or actually the time a time off, like you mentioned, you worked more on your swing. So was there also a, a, a positive on, that, on that, that, that aspect of it, the fact that it just gave you more time to work on your swing? Or did... Uh, do you think this was a major setback for you not having a season? Yeah, man, I, I actually, I think it was um, the opposite of a setback, you know, a, a push forward or whatever that would be. But um, I feel like, I feel like it was a great time for, I was also, you know, really lucky um, just to, to have the setup that I do at my house, um, you know, being able to have a cage here and, and have a, have a pretty functional gym that I can do almost anything I need to um, workout wise. Cause that's kind of, that's always been a big part of, um, you know, my approach to uh, baseball, you know, I'm very, very strength work heavy. And, uh, and also got me, got me, gave me a chance to kind of explore some new, some new avenues that I had in the past. You know, I've been going to physical therapy for a couple of times a week since um, I think since November it's been, so it's been maybe even earlier or I think it's yeah, November. So it's been about three or four months in, in physical therapy of, uh, and no injuries, um, you know, more prehab instead of rehab, but just, I definitely noticed some, some mobility issues that I really wanted to work through and, and never really had the time just because my off season is always so, you know, baseball focused and workout focused and um, there was never any injuries. So I, I w it wasn't a thing that I was going to kind of include um, in the past just because there was so much other stuff I wanted to do, but it gave me a chance to really get in there and um, have an awesome physical therapist that I've been working with. And uh, that's been a, that's been a game changer in itself, just uh, kind of learning more about my body and, and how, 
it works and how, you know, there's, there's imbalances and how to manage those and also work through those and um, try to even things out a bit. You know, my left side I've noticed is, is really dominant. And uh, that's also helped with hitting too, because um, I'm starting to learn, you know, I, my left side's actually a lot stronger, meaning like my left arm and my left leg. Um, and I think that's just from hitting for 20 years, being a lefty. Um, that's kind of your dominant side. And also what that showed me is uh, kind of like, I get really front side heavy in my swing or, or when it's not going well, I should say, you know, I pull off and I think that's common with a lot of lefties that throw righty because my dominant side is my, is my right arm um, coordination wise, but my, my strength dominant side is actually my left side. Um, so just learning that and, and being able to kind of implement that in my swing and kind of, uh, all right, like I want to, I want to be really left side dominant with my swing because that's, that's the important side. And I realize the swings where my right side takes over those are the ones where I'm pulling off and I'm actually, you know, I'm actually losing time because uh, my right hand, my right hand extends early. And now my, my contact point is actually a couple, you know, inches or feet in front of where it should be. And I'm just like subtracting time that I have to, to see the release point and, and see the pitch and track the pitch. So um, just learning that has been huge. And I think all this kind of coming together um, with, with also the swing, the swing adjustments I've been making, um, are going to be huge. And, and obviously it's all, it's all hearsay, you know, but it's all just me saying this until, until the next month that I can actually, you know, show it, show it off. And I think, you know, everyone will, I think it'll, it'll show up pretty quick in my opinion, once, once we get going here in a month, but, um, it's been a blast, man. And I, I definitely feel like I'm as ready as I've ever been for a season, um, yeah. in my career so far. So it'll be a lot of fun to, to get going. Well, I told our listeners that uh, Griffin's smart. You can tell how analytical he is with that response. And I guess we should expect nothing else from, uh, from a Dookie. And I guess that leads my, my next question. You know, of course, everybody knows Duke is, is, has that reputation of a great academic school. So as a, as a student athlete, did they ever let you slide on the, you know, hey, I'm not quite ready for this test. Did you get any of that treatment? Or you were just another student is the first part of it. And the second part of that question about Duke life, Griffin, is, did you get to go to one of the basketball games at Cameron? Did you just let yourself just be another student and, and really enjoy um, the, you know, I've been there for a game and it's, it's quite an experience that you get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So first, first uh, part, um, not, not really any academic leeway. You know, I think that's why it's such a prestigious school is uh, they don't, they didn't want any special treatment for athletes. You know, they didn't want uh a situation where you could, um, you know, kind of be, kind of be getting extra help just because, I mean, obviously being a student athlete is very hard, but, uh, they also make it, make it a lot easier on us. You know, we had, we had a, the K center that, um, named after Mike Krzyzewski, which is, uh, all athletes. It's kind of like a study, study area, tons of classrooms, you know, open all hours of the night. Um, that was like a huge asset just to be able to go in there and, and be able to crank out any work we needed to do at, at any time, really, you know, we have our key cards, so we can get in there whenever we want. Um, and that was really cool. And also, you know, the teachers were really uh, understanding in season, you know, in spring season, obviously you were going to miss, we're going to miss classes um, here and there. So they were always uh, really helpful and just uh, allowing us to get all, get all the work we need to do. And then also giving us the extra time for when we do miss class. Um, that would be the only, you know, leeway we get is if um, right. we miss assignments that they were good about letting us catch up. Uh, just just because we're missing assignments for games um and also uh for the basketball side of it my good friend 
Antonio Vrankovic from, he went to Pinecrest uh, with me and we graduated in the same class. He was a Duke, uh, Duke basketball player. Um, so that was really cool. Just, just having that relationship. And uh, he, he helped me a lot with, uh, with tickets. Uh, did have to ever wait in like a super long freezing cold line, uh, which was nice. We got the Duke USC seats one year, which was tough. You know, I was always pulling his leg for those. Uh, Cause he's always got, you know, he's got a long list of people. I'm sure that, that were hounding him for right. the Duke UNC tickets. Uh, but my junior year, he finally, um, he hooked it up and, and the dad got to come out too, dad and mom. So, uh, we got to, we got to see that game. Um, what was which that was like, like? What was that like to be? It was unbelievable. I think, uh, my, my dad still says it was the best sporting event. Like he's ever seen live, just like as far as energy and, and how loud it gets in that place. It really is. It's awesome. Like great bucket list experience. If, if you haven't seen a game there, um, obviously a tough ticket to get, but, um, and it's, it was awesome because even, you know, I'd go see midweek, uh, like a midweek game or uh, out of conference game where they're playing, you know, some, you know, tune up games or whatever. And, and it was crazy how loud those games still were, where you'd think it's kind of a meaningless, you know, a meaningless game. They win by 40. Um, but you wouldn't think just cause how, how much goes into like every play and how much the crowd gets into it. And the student section is unreal. So, it was it was awesome, and I, I got to see a good a good deal mostly because um yeah. my buddy uh hooked, hooked us up with the good seats so uh, it was it was awesome. Yeah, in just a minute or two we got remaining with you, Griff. I mean, I, yeah, I was there for a game against Wake Forest, so it wasn't like a you know UNC game, but I remember I sat courtside for the media and the fans, the students were extending their arms to do the razzing they do of the other team. They were right in my personal space, which I didn't mind at all. I thought it was super cool. And just all the stuff the students did, it was great. Yeah, I guess yeah. the last thing they, they're unreal. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. And I, I guess the last thing I just want to um, mention is, and that, Griffin, that's something you and I talked about. You know, for the Baseball America story, is that I did the research. Um, there's really no other organization, Santos. You might be interested in this, that has the amount of outfielders of the of the Marlins' top 30 prospects. Ten of them are outfielders and that that puts every other organization to shame so that's good for the marlins but it's a lot of competition for griffin including guys like jj bladay who's you know labeled a can't miss guy jesus sanchez has gotten a little time already monte harrison's still on that list um the the two mesa brothers uh peyton burdick who's kind of a you know a guy to watch cameron meiser and a lot of tools connor scott gerard encarnacion big time arm so it's a lot of competition like I said, it's good for the good for the Marlins. I guess Griffin, um, last question, uh, just in a minute here that we have remaining. Uh, talk about just the amount of outfielders and and your thoughts on on the competition and how that affects you, if it does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a I got a great look and exposure to it at Instructional League um, in uh, in November or in the month of October. We had uh, you know we had like twenty, it was like thirty or forty guys. Um, and a lot of outfielders and a lot of studs, man. And I got to see, you know, I got to see Burdick and Miser and Blade and, and Encarnacion and, um, and Scott and, you know, all these guys that are, you know, they're, they're dudes, man. And, and a lot of them are going to be really good, um, which is going to be cool, cool to see and, and happy to be a part of it. Um, and as far as competition goes, uh, not, not, a, not really prevalent in in my head, just cause I've, especially this past year, man, I've done so much, uh, so much work and, and prep and, and stuff that I've never right. done before and kind of gotten out of my comfort zone. And I just feel like there's nothing that uh, could really stand in my way except for me at this point, you know, and, and it's all, 
I've done you know everything I can to, to get ready and, and I'm pumped to, to go out there and play and um, also pumped to be a part of such a such a studly group you know and, and us getting the feet off each other and learn from each other will definitely help everyone in their own way you know advance in their own career so um, it's going to be a lot of fun man and, and definitely uh, definitely can't wait to get out of the starting gate right now. Well, we're all going to be rooting for you, Griffin. I know you're going to do big things and show that power and, and more contact. The ball's going to fly. We wish you nothing but the best. And we'll be right back with Eric Rodriguez and Jose Ramos from Matter Academy right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, everybody. This is John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Giving a big shout-out to Slam Radio, the only student-run radio station that's all national. Awesome, guys. Congratulations. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, welcome back to Front Page 305. This is your host, Walter Villa. I'm joined today by my co-host, Santos Perez, and our next guest, really in terms of high school basketball down here in South Florida and really in the state, this is one of the great stories in the state. Um, just, um, well, for reasons I'll explain in a moment, but let me welcome to the front page, Eric Rodriguez, a head coach at Matter Academy and assistant coach, Jose Ramos. Gentlemen, welcome to the front page. All right. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yes, thank you for having us. Absolutely. So, you know, Eric, I, I uh, well with Jose Ramos, former Miami High guard. I remember watching you, Jose. That was uh, I don't want to say how long ago. That was a while back. That was uh, a, a, a couple decades, maybe. You know, it was it was a while ago. And um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it was it was back. And then uh, with Eric, my experience with with Eric, he was just I think in in high school, and I was doing some publicity for the AU team. <clears throat> And I used to see Eric there, and, and his sister came to the games as well and, and got to know him a little bit. And, of course, his dad, Shaky Rodriguez, which we, we tragically lost um, this past year. He was the coach at, at Matter. And then when that happened, Eric, you took over. And now here you are having brought this team, your first time as a head coach. Um, you're, what, 32, 33? I'm 33 years old. 33 years old, first-time head coach, done an amazing job. And you have this team in the state semifinals, which is going to be Thursday. You're two wins away from a state championship, um, carrying on the legacy of your father. Um, just from an emotional uh, standpoint, Eric, what, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's not a brief answer to this because a lot of emotions, but can you give us a little glimpse into, into what this has been like, obviously losing your dad, taking over suddenly, and then having the, the boys uh, really lift, you know, lift you up, I'm sure, and, and have this team poised to win a state title. Um, obviously, uh, losing my dad was, was something that, that I don't know, uh, even still, I don't know when I'll, when I'll truly really get over it, when I'll, when I'll feel um, normal again. Uh, so this season, to, to sum it up, uh, I've heard it before, I know it sounds cliche, but a roller coaster I know is, is as is as best I could detail it, um, and and all the credit. I mean, I know I when, when my dad passed, and I, I was a mess, and I still am in a lot of ways. It's still it's still hard uh, to even discuss about him. However, I have to give all the credit, everything 
uh, towards the kids on the team, and they 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 allow me to wake up. They give me a sense of of, of responsibility, and I and looking at them, I, as I told them before, it was it, it's the hardest part because they remind me of him so much in every in every aspect of just how they play. They play together. Some of the terminology, some of the stories, some of the situations. It's a constant reminder of him, and and this season uh, has has me. I'm scared to lose, um, <laughs> mainly because I. I I, I I don't know how I'm gonna feel um, when the season's over. I, I don't want to lose that, um, and, I, and I don't want to let the kids down. I don't want it, to. It's it's all credit to them. They're, they're a great group of kids who have done nothing but fight, um, who have done nothing but but compete at the highest level, and basically continue what my dad started there. Um, this yeah. this is him. It's not. This isn't me. Um, I know it's my first year. I'm mean, experienced. My dad's still coaching this team. Um, so it's not as it's not even me. Um, yeah, and, and I'll get Santos in here for the next question. But but Jose, I wanted to bring you in. Um, what have you seen in in Eric? I, I'm assuming you, you you're kind of like a father figure to him because you've known him probably. I'm assuming since he was born. Uh, what have you seen the growth of Eric just as a coach and, and taking the mantle and and carrying it forward all the way to the state semifinals and hopefully two more victories after you know after this. <clears throat> yes. Uh, well, I, I look at things, uh, obviously, a different perspective. Uh, yes, like you said, the decades, uh, we're going like about 34 years that <clears throat> we won, Shakey and I, our first championship at Miami High. Wow. So, uh, <clears throat> and uh, this is uh, something that, you know, only God can write. And uh, I tell people that, you know, our destiny is pretty much written in the books. Eric was born in 87 when we won our state championship. Okay. And uh, Miami high, our first, it was 33 or 34 years since Miami high had won a state championship. And we won that one. Now it's been another 34 years and I'm going back to Lakeland and Eric is the head coach, obviously shaky son. So for me, I get goosebumps, you know, because I am older and, uh, and I appreciate uh, these things. What I see in Eric is exactly what I saw in his father. Uh, you know, I, we all get emotional, but he's a, a caring, a caring person, uh, uh, a great communicator, and he, he knows his exes and knows. He's been raised under this system with Shaky. I've been with Shaky for a long time even as an assistant coach in college and obviously in high school. <clears throat> so it was only fitting uh, that uh, Eric uh, would take over the reins. And that's the way we wanted things to work at uh, Matter. So uh, it's, uh, it's been uh, somewhat of a magical ride. I know uh, uh, Coach is looking down on us all the time, and, and I know he's uh, in Eric's ears 24-7, and when he's not in his ear, he knows I'm in his ear. So... Uh, we're enjoying every bit of it. Eric, you had uh, three close uh, regional games, especially the first two against MacArthur and then Doral. Those those close results, how much did that prepare you for the last game against uh, Martin County, which was undefeated, I believe, right? Uh, and uh, you won by two points also. The, the, the fact that you have played those two close games how much of a, a prep that helped you going into that championship game? Well, this is this has been uh, our core of our group has been together for a long, long time and has been challenged many, many times. 
Uh, so this is something that an experienced team should be able to pull through, should be able to. But, however, my dad has always credited this team. Uh, a lot of the players, he's called them winners. He, can, he says that's the greatest uh, compliment he could give a player, that he, he calls them a winner, that they find ways to win games, that they're going to be successful in everything that they do in life because they understand the challenge. They know, they're not afraid of the moment. They, they, they take everything head on and they never quit. That's a complete testament to, to the type of kids that we have and the culture that's, that's been said. And, again, that's, that's my dad. Uh, uh, between, between my dad and having some phenomenal kids, uh, some leaders that have, have stepped up and everybody's come together, uh, I, I couldn't be any prouder of them. Um, so th- those games have, have, have played a major part in us and giving us uh, ability to come together. And, and fight together and have each other back for one more time. Hey, what were, what were your immediate thoughts? What were your immediate thoughts when that buzzer that, that sounded and uh, you were going to state? What What did you think of right away? Um, so, my my life goal has never been to coach the Heat. Has never been to. To, to be the greatest coach. All I ever wanted to do, because since I was a kid, all I've ever done is watch my dad grow, win state championship. I've always, the only thing I've ever wanted to do is win, win, win. That's what I thought. That's what came to mind, that he played a part in that. Hey, Eric, um, so you guys um, are 20 and two. This team, um, Charlotte, 21 and nine. So two parts here. What do you know about them? And and also um, talk about some of your players. Uh, Ryan Sanchez, I know, is one of the guards. And talk about some of these kids and, and the top of year they've had, if you maybe mention a few names. Well, Charlotte, to begin with, I know is obviously everyone that gets there, no one gets there by accident. You don't win. You don't get to stay if you're a bad team. So they're, they're a very, very good team, uh, very talented. I know they have a big kid going to FAU. Um, they have a bunch of a, a nice supporting class that plays hard, um, but I mean I, I, I still I believe I'm a believer. I have the best uh, the best point guard uh, in the state, which always gives you a chance to win. And Ryan Sanchez, who's as much a competitor as as anybody I've ever, I've been around in a long long time. And the bigger the moment, the better he seems to play. Who's taking the bull by the horn and just really been our leader. Um, we have another kid, Jamil Lane, who's a gifted scorer, big time athlete. Um, that 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 has carried us in the, in the scoring score from a variety of ways. Um, Torrance Shellman, who's the, who's the soul, heart and soul of our defense, is plays tenaciously, plays as hard as could be. Uh, had never takes the playoff. Is probably one of the best defenders in, in the state. Um, he he, on top of averaging rebounds, all hustle plays. Uh, Michael Bradley has come around. In, in a huge way. He, he went from being just a knockdown shooter to now he's an all-around player, one of the better defenders that we have. So we set the tone with our defense uh, from the defensive side that creates our offense. And they do a very, very, very good job of, of playing together and playing for 32 minutes, which was always my dad's motto, is to play uh, RP, RP40 when he was at FIU, RP32. It was relentless pressure for 32 minutes. And our kids have been have have taken pride in doing that, um, and and a lot of our ind- individual kids uh, have have taken away from competing so hard and have gotten better on a daily basis. And I couldn't be any prouder. I'm hoping my dad is as well. 
Jose, uh, the Miami High Roots are all over this program. How much feedback did you get from the the old timers like, like myself after Friday night? Yeah, my yeah my my phone hasn't stopped. As a matter of fact, I got about five more today uh, from you know old school guys, even older than I am. As you know, <clears throat> that's a beautiful thing that Miami High has always had uh, rich in tradition in basketball, obviously. And uh, it stems everywhere. As you know, our principal at Matter is uh, Tiger Nunez, which was my athletic director and Shakey's when we were at Miami High. So it, it runs deep. You got everyone, uh, you know, congratulations. And, you know, it's the uh, first time that Matter uh, Academy has advanced uh, to the state championship. And, uh, you know, for us, it's uh, uh, we went three years. Uh, I want to say it's three or maybe two years in a row. Uh, to this point where we were at Martin County and we, we came up short. Uh, I want to say maybe it was Diller last year and the year before uh, MacArthur. So, um, yeah, so for us to uh, uh, get over the hump and get to state is absolutely 100% accomplishment for these kids, uh, which we have about five seniors uh, that Coach mentioned that have really been uh, the heart and soul of this team. Um, last thing, and we've got to wrap this up, I guess, for Jose and then Eric, get your thoughts on this and something Santos and I were talking about off the air. Um, the question is, when you go from the high school gyms um, to the big, and, and, and Jose, you have experience in this, and the big gyms um, at the big gym at Lakeland, you know, how different is that, how difficult that is in depth perception, shooting your, your, your especially your perimeter shots, um, you know, how difficult is that and how are you training the kids to overcome that our uh, semifinal so you know was at martin county and the facility was nice it was like a 4,000 feet mini arena so they got to play in something uh similar uh but not the two of lakeland lakeland is a lot uh bigger uh <clears throat> a gymnasium obviously and uh yeah the perspective of the basket listen i played there like i said it's the same court it ain't changed I know you called me old time at 34 years ago, but it hasn't changed. It's the same court. It's the same court. You know, I'm sure the baskets have changed, but uh, they'll, they'll get you used to that uh, once they get in there and, and, you know, run around a little bit. Uh, to ball back. Jose, I, I, call, uh, I called you an old timer because I'm an old timer. When I played basketball, they had the peach basket. You had to get the ladder and get the ball out of the basket after every basket. That's why I say that. Yeah. But, uh, I don't, hey, we only got like a minute left. Eric, just your that same question, your thoughts on, on how the how the boys are going to handle handle that aspect of it. I mean, if it comes to facility, I mean, we've been we've been faced with that all year. Our gym at Matter Academy has been remodeled. So we've been on the road literally all year for every practice. So it's something that we've been pretty much challenged with all year, and it should be something that we should almost take as this is an advantage for us. Uh, on top of it, we don't make any excuses. So whatever whatever challenge comes, we got to take it up by, by the horn and, and go. All right, guys. Well, we're going to be rooting for you. God bless you both. Thanks for taking the time on this uh, busy week to be with us, and, and we wish you nothing but the best. And we'll be right back with Rick Teasley and talking about Australia baseball right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, everybody. This is John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Giving a big shout out to Slam Radio, the only student-run radio station that's all national. Awesome, guys. Congratulations.
for every sport of every kind. Tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, we're back. Front Page 305, this is your host, Walter Villa, joined by Santos Perez. And our next guest is Rick Teasley, pro baseball pitcher. He uh, had a chance this winter to, um, to pitch in the Australian Baseball League. And I wrote about him for Baseball America. That's coming out also in the next edition. And I thought it was fascinating to share with our listeners about everything uh, Rick went through just to just to get to be able to play and how they deal with COVID differently than us. So that's what I want to ask him about. So first of all, Rick, welcome to the front page. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me in. Absolutely. Well, let's let's go. Let's get right into it. Uh, so when you you got the call, I guess in December, and you had pitched there before, um, but obviously not during the COVID pandemic uh, times, and you got the call. You flew, you flew in to Australia. Tell us what happened there as soon as you landed. Uh, so when you land there, they, you get met by uh, police and military in uh, whatever state you land in, and they, they escort you and your bags to a bus where the bus takes you, you and everybody else that landed on your flight uh, straight to a quarantine hotel where you get checked in and they uh, lock you in the room, take the key and say, we'll see you in two weeks. And uh, you'll, you'll be having meals delivered. You can call Uber Eats if you'd like, but you're in there for uh, for two weeks and you're going to get COVID tested three times in that two weeks. And uh, you can't leave until you're done. That's crazy, man. And so, and no windows in the, in the hotel room. Is that true? No opening windows. I, and some of it's luck of the draw. I heard that a couple guys that landed in Sydney had a balcony, um, Oh. But, yeah, I didn't have any windows that opened in the room, so there was no fresh air. Uh, the one window I had faced uh, another side of the hotel, so not not much to look at for two weeks. And what about exercise? Did you, did you, uh, you know, watch some show on uh, Netflix? What did you do to pass the time for those two weeks? I actually watched two full seasons of Florabama Shore, which is a gem of a show. Um, <laughs> that helped pass the time a little bit. But, uh, Florabama Shore? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like Jersey Shore, but uh, up there near Florida Alabama border, it was it's a it's quite a show. Okay, um, I watched that uh, Jersey Shore. Okay, gotcha. Exactly, exactly. That passed the time. That kept me entertained. And then other than that, just a lot of uh, body workouts, push ups, jumping jacks, jump rope, um, and trying to fashion. I, I learned instead of flipping the whole mattress and throwing into a mattress, you kind of could just put tuck a you know eight pillows into a chair and throw into that as a target. So that's what I did for the two weeks to try and get ready for the season. And then once you once that was over with and and you started playing baseball, um, you know what what was what was it like to be around the city? I think they you told me they had a system in terms of uh, a scanner system. So every time you went to, into a supermarket or a electronic store, any public place, you had to get scanned. Yeah, you would scan a QR code with your phone camera, and it would take you straight to a login where you'd fill out email, phone number, all of your information, and uh, you weren't allowed in until until that was done. And that way, if, and if there were any positive cases, they could easily, easily contact Trace, whoever was there at the same time as that person. And um, there were a few shutdowns. One of them made us leave the city of Brisbane right before my first start of the season, and uh, we just kind of improvised the league, did an incredible job improvising schedules and and changing flights around and getting teams out just in time before um, some of these lockdowns struck. 
but the net result, Rick, is that no mask in your, when you're, I mean, other than at the airport and Uber drivers, but everybody else in the city, you're like, it's life like before the pandemic, correct? It was, it was like going straight back to 2019 where there was nothing, nothing going on and you really couldn't, couldn't tell aside from the check-ins. Um, but everything was pretty much just as normal as it was. And I was out there the previous year or the previous two times before that. Uh, I'd love to be in 2019 again. That sounds, uh, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, well, I would I'm hoping we're closer than that. And uh, I hope we're closer to being back there than uh, we are far away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Rick, also, you played in some other places. Um, you played in Taiwan. Uh, you played uh, in Venezuela. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about what was it like in 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 Taiwan. You told me the fans there were rabid, thirty thousand fans. And one of the interesting things that you told me was, as a visit, as a I guess the home team, the 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 walk up song is not really the walk up song. It's the whole they play the whole song during the guys at bat. If you're a pitcher, you got to deal with that in terms of your concentration, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're the away pitcher, um, you're going to have to learn to kind of tune everything out because there's 30,000 fans doing chants and uh, waving the thunder sticks and it's simultaneous movement. It's like being at a college football game. They've got a band in the concourse that plays the song, you know, the favorited song of whatever player is up to bat for the uh, the home team. So if you're a away pitcher, you've uh, you got a lot of noise to deal with. Um, and that was a, definitely a big adjustment, especially with the amount of fans. I mean, you used to play in minor league ball. Uh, in front of maybe 5,000 fans. Now you got 30,000. They're surrounding you, and they're all making a lot of noise when you're trying to concentrate. So it was a, it was an adjustment, um, and it always is for all the new guys that end up out there for the first time. Yeah, that's crazy. And then if you've got one of the Taiwanese, if you're got one of the Taiwanese players, and you've got them uh, one and two, and you throw a fastball down the middle, he doesn't offer. What's hap- what happens there? Yeah, you get a you get a ball. Yeah, it's it's going to be a ball most of the time. Uh, they, you know, it just seems like they cater, and not to say that their umpires are purposely missing calls, but they definitely uh, give the benefit of the doubt to the guys that all the fans came there to see. You know, the, the legends of the game out there in Taiwan are, are not going to get rung up too often on a called strike three. You're going to have to get them to swing and miss if you want to strike up. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Did people recognize you as the American player in Taiwan on the streets or whatnot? Yeah, very much. Uh, I was pretty uh, – I stood out. Pretty much in any of these countries I've been to, aside from Australia, I stand out pretty well. I had long blonde hair at the time. Um, so everybody you'd hear, they called me. They don't call you by your name out there. They all come up with Taiwanese names. Mine was Ray Lee for Rick Teasley. So everywhere you'd go, you'd hear Ray Lee, Ray Lee. You might see somebody waving or somebody asking for a picture. People people will just come up to you with their phone and picture of you pitching and ask if that's you, as if you know there's another guy looking like me somewhere around there. <laughs> But yeah, very. You are you are the top sport in the country, and everybody knows who you are. And uh, it was a uh, it was interesting to see that kind of lifestyle. And um, I'm almost grateful that not everybody knows who I am out here because that that would make for some long days out in public. Well, that was before this radio appearance. Now that you're on front page three hundred five, you're going to get stopped at the Publix at uh, Best Buy. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be a living hell for you now, right? It's going to be uh, you're going to be surprised how popular you are now. Um, hey, that's how I'm gonna make sure it wasn't a Facebook interview or a FaceTime interview. That's you know. right. Right now, we kept your, your looks under wraps here, just as a, a radio thing. So, what about yeah, um, what about in Venezuela? Um, you know, what was that like? Uh, I've been to Colombia many times. I've never been to Venezuela. Obviously, they're going through a lot of tough times in terms of uh, security. Uh, did you feel, um, you know, was it dangerous to be there? 
Um, I think dangerous to be there. Yes, if you, if you in our situation, we always had security. The most dangerous part for us was kind of arriving in Caracas by yourself and then leaving Caracas once you were dropped off by a driver. Um, you've got all of your stuff, and there's really, you know, there's there's been reports of even Venezuelan guys going out there and being at the wrong place, wrong time, and getting kidnapped or something. It's a desperate country right now that's going through a lot of stuff, and people do desperate things. So you just it, you're never too comfortable out there. Um, but you know, for the most part, they know you're out there for baseball, and they, you know, your teammates tell you uh, nobody's going to mess with you because they know who you are, they know what you're here for, and they don't want the baseball league to get into any trouble or um, for people not to want to come here to play. So you're mostly safe if you're there for what we're there for, and um, you're very much surrounded by security, um, armed guards every every time you leave the hotel, and it's advised that you only leave the hotel when you're going to the field. Don't ever leave the hotel if you're not going to the field. And the players are, are packing, right? Uh, they, uh, they're constantly they – have, they have guns on them. Yeah, yeah, always guns on them. All the players use – there was a gun box for when – when players would show up to the field, you know, you're putting all the Venezuelan players are putting their guns in a gun box. Um, you get them after the game, but SWAT team around that around the fence during the game, but by the bullpens kind of protecting for, uh, you know, the fact that they're there is a little bit concerning, but at the same time, it's almost a little bit of a relief at the same <laughs> to know that they're there as well. But um, it's just precautionary. They just want to make sure nothing's going to happen. Um, but it definitely is an eye opener to go over there and see um, some of the stuff we saw is, is not not quite the same as being here. Where where did you out of all these experiences? Where did you enjoy playing baseball the most? I think the most fun I had playing was in Australia, um, just because of all the places, all the things that you can do. You're seeing, you know, the city of Sydney. You're seeing Melbourne. You're going to all the main cities, and you're seeing all these things that everybody would pay thousands of dollars to go visit, and you're actually getting paid to go do that. You know, there was enough off time during the week. You'd play four games a week, so you had three off days or two, two and a half off days because of a practice, but uh, two and a half off days a week to go kind of explore. It was different this year, obviously, with COVID, but in previous years, it was there was nothing compared to it because all of it, you know, you just go have fun, feed koalas, you know, uh, kangaroos, or go to the beach, go, go check out the mountains, and um, there are just so many things you could do out there and so many things to see. Uh, next year, can you hook it up that Walby Money, uh, you know, does like a, you can tell him he's doing a documentary and they pay my way out there and I just document your uh, your, your comings and goings in Australian baseball? What do you think? Matt, I can definitely ask them if they would do that. I think they, uh, I told them I might be done after this. I might be uh, getting into fire school and they seem very willing to try and get me back out there. So I, I think if I mention that, they might try to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, you tell, you tell them how great I am, and then they'll say, "Yeah, oh, Walt B. Money, you can have him do the documentary, the Rick Teasley thing." Absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> with the koala bear. I saw a photo of you with the koala bear. That would be the co-star, and uh, oh, Rick and the cool. koala bear. We might be able to adopt one and bring one back with us. That'd be great. Yeah, we're we're running out of show. Before we go, what did you think of that photo of me about 50 years ago that I sent you with me with a lion on my lap? What did you think of that? Oh, it was incredible. The uh, the outfit and the hair were uh, on point, and I think you should do that from now on. That's gnarly. I can't get the hair back. That's gone. Santos Perez, thanks for uh, joining us today. Rick, thanks for joining us. Frankie, thanks for uh, doing the producing. We'll see you guys next time. The views and opinions expressed on front page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on front page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, 
and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.